1: To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss.
4: Hello and welcome to the Rush Quill Gaming Podcast Q&A Four. I am Alexander Jane Newell, and with me today I have... Ben Meredith, Rydman Lydia Nicholas, and Helen Gould. They keep asking to leave, I keep saying no. That's what <laughs> Q&As are for. The bars of the prison that lasts forever. Okay, we have so far got some of these last questions kicking around. We could go to our dice rolling. We can continue to pick numbers with arbitrary joy and hate. <laughs> anyone Anyone feeling a particular conceit for this one, or should we just go with it?
5: Uh, 33?
4: Ooh. Any any context or just because we like the number? That's the
5: Jesus number. Is it?
6: That's yeah, it's how old he was when he died. Uh. <laughs> I, I'm sure that he doesn't like being reduced to
4: just that characteristic. <laughs> okay, this is for this is from, sorry, Lillian. Oh, oh no, I just oh thought I'd get away with dear. this. Did the meritocrats know about Mr. Sealing and allow for his creation and continuance? Really good question. Oh. Not all of them did. Ooh, interesting. Well, definitely a
7: because they did.
4: I well, yeah. In my head, I had it that Guive had been like, "I can approve this under certain situations." Definitely, a lot of lies had been told to Guive about like, "Where are they sourcing things?" Well, you know, we're clearing out the catacombs anyway for various health-related reasons, and we think we can, do, you know, that kind of a deliberately misrepresentation, but... Wait, what? And we just found a stash of brains down there? (laughs) Not quite. So Guive was aware that the, like, ordinators were a thing. I always in my head had, Guive was aware there was something hinky, but didn't think it was hinky enough to turn over that particular stone because the benefits of them was quite obvious. But I didn't have it as like a big, huge, grand meritocratic conspiracy where all of them were like ha 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 finally. But
8: the people in power had farmed something out to a private contractor, and they were happy (laughs) enough with the results. They didn't investigate the methods. That's
4: that genuinely. Mm. That is exactly what I was going for. And this is why things
8: should be nationalised.
4: I a hundred percent. That was looking at that. Like, yes there are many arguments for
5: nationalization but that is literally the opposite of um of an argument no
8: <laughs> lydia is as always correct
9: i really like
6: the implication that there's like intra-dragon pol- politics like some of them get on with each other and like i would be interested to um to play a game where we just play the meritocrats <laughs>
4: <laughs> oh that's an interesting one just give each of you one of them and let you play out a council session with like a yeah a,
7: a basic structure to it
4: I would love that oh it's like model UN but with dragons <laughs>
7: <laughs> well we're too too late Helen snowball one shots oh oh I'll sneak in a model UN with dragons oh god he's getting yeah. this back for another one That's a great
4: idea, Model UN with dragons. I'm well on board with that. (laughs) I am a creative. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, okay. Any other takers on random numbers before I resort to dice like a pleb? Like a a lowly RPGer?
7: 61.
4: Okay. I'll make sure to pronounce this name right because there is punctuation. This is from... Borf! Um... (laughs) What area of the world do each of the players wish had gotten more explored? Oh. The stratosphere for me. The, the stratosphere? <laughs> oh my God. The Earth's core. <laughs> I'm not joking. I never got to do proper Sky City. Prague kind of felt like a cheat.
6: Mm. <laughs> I would have liked to have gone to Australia just to see. I mean, I'm sure there was no way that we could have ended up there, but um, you mentioned something about there being, like the penal colony and...
4: Um, You all ended up doing so much stuff I had no idea like what was going to go happen. I had to have some idea. Otherwise it was, (laughs) you'd inevitably immediately beeline there and it'd be that Wallace (laughs) and Gromit where I'm laying the track.
8: I I feel like I've answered this question before in a previous Q&A and I can't remember when or how that would have happened. Maybe it was a dream I had. Who can say? <laughs> I think one of the things we've, we've acknowledged in the past is our failure to necessarily portray the places we even did visit very well. And, you know, I think that's something it would be really nice to have had a lot more time and resources to do kind of some some in-depth exploration of what the RQG world in certain other places look like Um, my personal preference is uh, South America and specifically Peru Mm. I uh, have a familial connection to Peru Uh, I I have some cousins whose uh, father is Peruvian and I had some formative experiences that involved reading stories kind of uh, about the Incas and the Incan civilization Um, and so it's just it's it's not like a massive interest of mine but it's like a little like geographically speaking it's a place I just have a sort of mild interest in and I think it would have been really interesting to see more of South America I think that yeah it felt like somewhere the campaign would wouldn't have gone for any reason in a sense but in some ways that makes it more interesting to me but yeah so that's that's my answer is yeah I've always had a bit of a a special interest and a
4: very small one but for those reasons, basically. I'm just trying to think in terms of biomes that we didn't do. <laughs> that's that's my immediate go-to.
5: I think in biomes, I sometimes had entertaining daydreams about the different kinds of stories that Sel and their late husband and stepsons would have had trading across the Pacific.
8: Oh, yeah. Mm. Mm. That would have been very and
5: cool. And the orcish trading cultures mm. and their connections with Japan and the, both North and South America. And so mm. that whole thing. And I, I like to think that that whole kind of area thrived post-magic disappearance because you've got a lot of people that are used to the very practical thing of mm. making boats mm. work making yeah. trade p- happen keeping communities connected and uh they are were never really impacted by the meritocrats quite as much so didn't have to kind of think too much about dragons so that <laughs> idea of ah, that the the borders have opened again and actually we've been here the whole time and we've been very successful uh mm. and and so how about you come and learn from us? And, yeah, yeah. The idea of that being a nice place.
6: We did, at one point, I think when we were discussing getting from Japan to Svalbard, mm. um, talk about a polar expedition. Yeah. We, like,
4: <laughs> I'd have been all over that. I love <laughs> a good polar expedition. Across the North Pole. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that would have been fun. I'm, I'm happy to reveal, like, uh, you're right to have recommended that uh, the terror is something that might took my fancy In that, yeah, if your ship was going across the North Pole y'all would have absolutely ended up icebound and Mm. it would have taken a very horror turn because I would not have been able to help myself. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely would have just... This is totally jarring. Don't care. Not going to get the opportunity again. Crunch. You're frozen. (laughs) Anyone from you, Ben?
7: Uh, Yeah, no. I mean, for me, it's um, actually sort of um, nowhere because I... I mean, I, I prefer... Games which are centered around particular locations, so that those locations mm. can grow and become more real. Yeah, mm. mm. like mm. this was a very globe-trotty campaign, and I, you know, sort of felt that like each arc was kind of stretched quite thin in detail. Anyway, so adding more locations yeah. would just just exacerbate yeah. that problem.
4: Mm. Bear, I, bear I agree. Trip. I think definitely, if I was to do this again, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't globe-trot. I think that was a very eyes bigger than my stomach. Um, <laughs> sort of ambition at the start. And yeah, originally I was like, it's fine, we'll, we'll do London and then we'll just sort of hop to these places. But it's, I'm sure it's pretty much going to be in London. This is before I'd even written anything. And mm. Mm. yeah, I, I definitely think generally campaigns tend to be a lot better for being that. Unless overland travel takes ages, like ages and ages, so that you can shift that depth with you because it's mm. taking a while.
7: Oh, I love a bottle episode. <laughs> <laughs> and no! Travel's great. Travel's great for bottle episodes.
4: I like a bottle episode too. Hokey dokey. At that point then, any other particular uh, numbers? Otherwise, I'm just going to start picking or rolling or jadding. 19. Because we already did
5: 99 and I think that uh, 19 is the little sibling of 99 (laughs) and (laughs) is always looking up and being like, I can be as annoying as you if I try really hard, you know.
4: It's true. 19 doesn't mesh with any of my maths. Okay, Reese Hawkins. What would Hamid's clothing line brand be named?
8: <laughs> Ooh. I'm so bad with names. Oh, no, I mean, I remember once you all asked me to n- spontaneously name a Harrison Campbell novel and I failed completely. I'm so bad at names. And Aww. like, you know, one of the greatest achievements of my life is coming up with the name London Another London Outstanding Mercenary. <laughs> <laughs> but that genuinely yeah. took me quite a while workshopping, like, you know, in my head
7: beforehand. Here's the question then, Bryn. Would Hamid go for something down the line or, or want to go for like a pun name? That is good. Or like out-of-hand Tailoring?
8: You know Yeah, hmm. I would want to go for a pun, but actually, I think you're right. I don't think Hamid would. I think, uh, mm. yeah. I mean, I think Hamid would see it as somehow aspirational and probably come up with something a bit sickening in some ways.
4: You wouldn't take the mm. Ron Swanson's route of like good no, suits. I think
8: mm. yeah. when you go for
7: something like trying to be a, like a little bit sexy, yeah. Like the silk I can't. I can't think what it would be, but uh, it, yeah, mm.
5: <laughs> it would hint sideways at the banking heritage. I like, and <laughs> and so something like horde of you know, as in like. Mm. I don't know, I don't, know. Spell- I don't think he
8: would. I think he'd, I think... Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I can't... The shape of it is something, yeah, something a bit, like, aspirational and and fancy. Okay,
4: what about something like mm. Lapel Lazuli or something? Oh. oh! I like that,
8: yeah, yeah. That's quite good. But, I mean, remember... See, he- the, also, the important... The, Part of the important plot was that he was bad at it and it didn't really work. So I feel like it shouldn't be something very good. Yeah, it ha- it has it has
7: to be. He might be excellent at branding, just a really crap.
4: Table. Well, yeah, he was really really good. at That that was part of it, wasn't it? Though, is that like he's really good at selling himself. The issue is that the product was a bit. Why well, I think I think yeah. he found he.
8: I think that he probably found out he wasn't very good at selling himself either, actually. And that, that, you know, there's different forms of charisma and he certainly had one, but the form of charisma he had was not necessarily much like, you know, it's a bit of a reflective of my understanding of him early on. You know, I thought he had a certain form of charisma at the beginning of the game. I found out I was mistaken and I played him with a different form (laughs) as the game went on. And I think he probably had to make that same self-discovery at that Mm. point in his life, in a sense. You know, Mm. he had to accept he couldn't be a leader, he couldn't be a salesman, you know, actually, yeah, you know, he was good at forming connections, and he had to find ways to use that well. But you know, that was not leadership, and it was not. Yeah, it's you know, it's it's about finding the right way to use the skills he had, and yeah,
4: mm. more networking than in
7: trade. Great, great biz dev, couldn't run a business. Though. Yeah, yeah, basically.
4: <laughs> Sounds to me like he should have run some kind of large, elaborate music festival. Called it Fire for like the dragon thing, or. <laughs>
8: <laughs> Damn that actually would have worked really well for that plot line. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's yeah. it. That's, that's it. Well that's done, Alex. you got it. There. Well, well spotted.
4: <laughs> <laughs> okay. Any other numbers that we hate? I love how seriously you're taking pick a random number.
6: <laughs> Everyone's showing well, on I'm, I'm evaluating my various reactions to all the numbers from one to one hundred as like to see if there's any that I do have a deep abiding hatred for. I'm very
7: confusingly, You're rating each one on a one to hundred scale. <laughs> so like two, 83, uh, three, uh, Four score and seven. Eighty-seven. <laughs> that hurt Alex. <laughs> uh.
4: There's certain things I, my brain can't handle. I don't know why. Score is one of them. Fathoms is another. <laughs> right, 87 it is then. Uh, sorry, no, I'm saying that wrong. Uh, 87. <laughs> this is from John Clark. Who were the squizzards? Just general ne'er-do-wells were they secretly linked to the blue-vein palaver? Well, there was Jim the Squizzard. <laughs> there was <laughs> Jeff the Squizzard. So it's addressed... In campaign to a degree, but I'll lay it out as, as basically as I can. The squizzards are a lower form of extraplanar entity when compared with, say, the blue veins. Mm. And in true sort of DD and Pathfinder style, all extraplanar entities just really want to be on the material plane. It's just where it's all a and a happening.
8: It's where they have all the good food.
4: Mm. <laughs> in terms of where they uh, interacted with the cult of Hades... That's hitting a lot more to do with, like the Cult of Hades were a lot more to do with uh, necromancy, also some stuff to do with summoning and so on. So there was an overlap there, but it's very muddy and buried in the past. The truth, the truth of it is the Cult of Hades had plans on the material plane along the lines of, we'll conquer these countries, as opposed to the Blue Veins, which is you know consuming entire planes as an afterthought kind of thing. So it's a sort of a double beat in some ways, but it's about applicability of scale. So as a result, it it, it was more like the squizzards are willing to play at politics, whereas your blue veins are more your kind of Galactus. Nom, nom, nom. I'm going to (laughs) eat the whole world. Yeah, the Borg. Like, yeah, you don't want to compare, say, like the Borg and Klingons. They don't hit the same existential risk, I guess. I don't know if that's satisfying, but that's sort of how I rank antagonists, I guess, is existential (laughs) risk. I don't, I'm just trying to think. I never had a specific squizzard in head reoccur. It's not like the one you met here yeah. was the same one there. Aww. What was the one that Sasha
5: killed called?
4: <laughs> um, I believe it's hard to do with a human mouth. I believe mm-hmm. it was. <laughs> it's good saying you don't have a human <laughs> mouth, then. Yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. I just I wouldn't <laughs> recommend anyone try and do it. It takes a lot of tonsil vibration to get the consonants right. Okay, I'm going to move off for of that because I'm just. I'm I'm just chatting nonsense. This isn't even vamping. This is garbage. You've been doing that for the last six years. No one, one can years. use this.
9: Yeah.
4: <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm going to go by a name. 65 from Houseplant Killer. Ooh. Are there any neat spells, abilities, etc. that you never got a chance to use? Yes.
8: I mean, uh, anyone else have an answer to that question? <laughs> oh, you, you think
7: I'm going to have a, the least opinion about that? <laughs>
6: Well, you might do. It's a
4: mechanical thing. You might have had some strategies.
7: I hardly remember what's written on my character sheet at the best of times. I've got no...
4: (laughs) weirdly enough i do in that there's a vast amount of pathfinder that i really like really find interesting and love mm. couldn't use too complicated for audio slows yeah. gameplay too long or takes too much prep and when you have to you have to get the sessions out that prep time's reduced mm. so there's huge massive unplumb sets of pathfinder that i really like I, I, I really really like they're templating for custom monsters so you can have like a dire skeletal borg ooze where the news is cr1 but you add all that and suddenly it's a cr51 like some of that works really well and you can make some awful awful monstrosities mm. but I, I didn't get to really play with any of that but that's not quite in the spirit of the question. But yeah, there was a lot of stuff I never got to try, which I wanted to. Uh,
8: Hamid gained several spells uh, during the last two levels that he just never really got to cast. I mean, Lightning Arc was one of them, which he cast once and failed completely. Oh, it, yeah. Uh, grieves. Uh, he also cast Constricting Coils once at Grieve, and it failed completely. And that's a really neat yeah. spell, which is just like, you know, you summon illusory tentacles that wrap up the target and start to squeeze them slowly. Um, but mm-hmm. the... the my possibly my favorite spell that he never cast it's called pyrotechnic eruption and you basically cause someone to spontaneously combust you (gasps) summon you summon fire at their feet and it does about the the same amount of damage as a fireball but to a single target oh my god but then it stays with them and follows them for multiple rounds that was it. Oh, um, and oh that it, well, it halves every, every time. So it, and it,
4: it's like a half-life yeah, effect. And, and so it, it only
8: goes away when the halving takes it to effectively zero. So, well,
4: I remember you warning me about that one and me going, take it, why? Because it's just it's, wicked. It's a very yeah.
8: powerful cool and slightly cruel spell and you know i just you know Mm -hmm. in combat i just think it's great yeah summon a flame that comes from under someone's feet and basically consumes them over the course of 30 seconds
5: terrifying
8: as you know as we've said a lot of times (laughs) the characters are all murderers and this was just a a cool way to do a murder
5: uh cell is not a murderer Wow. There's a couple of times that they're on the edge, um, but those are all things that they think quite deeply about. And, Mm. yeah, it's... uh, I can't remember
4: if Cell has any kills to their name.
5: Plant monsters. How about the party are all
6: killers? Yeah, yeah. Because a killer and a murderer can be different things. (laughs)
8: <laughs> I was going to say, if, if I'd had my choice of target, it would have been Barrett that I cast that spell on. Mm. I also want to mention uh, if Skrark had achieved uh, one more level, he would have uh, had an ability called Draconic Paragon uh, yeah. because he would have hit the level threshold, which basically turns him even more draconic and he starts to be able to fly completely at will rather than only with a spell and only with the little gliding wings. You know, he can actually have proper tiny little dragon wings and he and his his dragon breath weapon gets better and he just gets more dragony in a lot of ways and yeah. becomes a mini dragon. And that would have been really cool for Skrark too. But he didn't he didn't hit cool, the yeah. level the level threshold to get that ability.
5: The the one thing for Cell is the one of the last abilities they got was caustic blood. Oh, yeah. And I was pretty convinced, because compared to the other, Cell was still reasonably squishy. I was quite convinced that there would be uh, a time it was suitable or, like, whatever for them to, if not overtly sacrifice themselves, then at least there would be a way for them to stand between dragon and like and the babbage assemblage Mm. like because they can fly and they can do all the other things like it made complete sense for them to like have that i'm throwing bombs oh no might need to dive in the way of something and it's just really cool because it's like ah you get attacked and then they get covered in blood and it burns and it wouldn't do anywhere near as much damage as that fireball within a fireball but (laughs) it's pretty it's pretty brutal yeah. yeah I, I thought it was absolutely on the table that firstly I'm so glad that the plant bombs really worked. Mm-hmm. But uh if they hadn't worked, sell caustic bloods themselves and then like dives in between Big Dragon and World Saving Device
4: was, was on you the cards. You were always really good with selling that if handling correctly, Cell wasn't a glass cannon, Cell was a glass nuke, Um, Mm. which was very, very squishy. But you were like, you know, I could plug this into that, this into this, this into this, and do 600 damage around. I was like, you could. (laughs) I'd like that we don't do that. And you were always very good at going, okay, I'll just vomit spiders. That's cool too.
5: (laughs) You want to have, like as I think all the characters have by the end, uh, like stuff where their abilities are related to story and personality as Mm. much as, like, mechanical boost. So it's just nice that they all got to kind of, like, Azu with their marbles. Uh, (laughs) Ah, yes, your most powerful
4: special ability, Azu.
5: (laughs) (laughs) Hamid with his privilege. You know, we all have powers.
8: (laughs) Uh, which he did. That was the epilogues. Yeah. um yeah. <laughs> I was really happy that we got off the combo of Azu granting other people the Smite Evil ability and Zolt's cool. multi attack icicle spell. Because I remember during the level mm. up when we kind of realized, yeah. oh, wait, mm. Azu can do this, and this stacks really well with this type of. And then Ben was like, mm. oh, and I've got one of those. And we kind of. Yeah, it's a thing that. It's eleven separate attacks, yeah, yeah. right? So it procs yeah. each and time. I, and I remember the three of us just sitting in a call, just the three of us, and like working out what abilities we could take and and realizing <laughs> in that moment. I think Lid had been in the call earlier, but had to drop off or something. And
5: so
4: I was so surprised when that <laughs> actually happened. I was like, "That's so cool!" Yeah, you all did warn me. You went, "We found something quite big." Yeah. Let me know, yeah. like basically the mechanics and going. Oh, it's just procking over and over again. At which point yeah. I went, "Okay, I very much appreciate you warning me." But that's fine. But yeah. yeah,
8: that was it. Would have big. it would have worked reasonably well with other effects like Cell's multi bombs and yeah. hammer's scorching ray, which gave yeah, him yeah. several attacks. But that that what that icicle spell was just the most incredible use of it, and I'm Perfect. so it created such an amazing moment when it finally came together.
3: That's Especially true. after yeah. the
8: delay in that fight and the, the tenseness of that fight, just to be able to turn around and be like, right, finally I can unleash this thing you know that <laughs> we have been wanting for several combat rounds.
7: Activate oh, the yeah, Gatling I just, <laughs> Cannon. Because I just couldn't make an attack because yeah. I had to keep stopping people yeah, from yeah, dying. It was, an right? accident. <laughs> it was exactly.
4: not an accident.
7: I was going to keep killing people <laughs> over and
4: over so that you can't get anything off.
7: <laughs> as as yeah.
8: frustrating as it was for Hammond not to be involved, for me, to not be able to roll dice and stuff in that fight to contribute. I actually think that the narrative arc of that fight ended up being incredible. Personally, it It was was very solid. Speaking of Uh, denying
4: OP stuff, (laughs) do you have any idea how glad I am that at no point did you manage to plan a shift, Ben, in a way that was just going (laughs) to break the campaign?
7: I had that spell. I had that spell the entire time, and I just didn't use it because it was so appreciate it. it (laughs) I think it's a bonus spell for one of the subdomains I was part of, or something. Oh, it's freedom. Yeah, it was freedom, I think. My contingency
4: sense. for that would have just been, okay, so you're traveling between planes as your plane's slowly being consumed by a planar entity. Cool, we'll just have an incursion event as a result of your planar shift mm. or whatever. So I did have some stuff, but if I wasn't going to be grossly unfair, plane shift can really break a campaign. And I don't just mean like, oh, I'm going to the plane of fire, but like it can properly balk it because there's there's so like never mind exploits just accidentally there's so many things it can make happen
7: Mm. well it just it just turns the the game when you hit a certain level into ah you know you had one universe well now there's like (laughs) 13
4: yeah at some point it just becomes a bit rick and morty
7: (laughs) well it becomes a bit planescape well yeah
6: i remember taking zone of truth really early on assuming that it would be useful for like if we track down a, a, a bad guy and like um, had to get, but I never did use it really. I offered to for a game of truth or dare, and that was about. <laughs> that was well, about. Well, Hamid
8: had that read surface thoughts spell, which kind of ends up yeah, being a slightly more yeah, effective yeah. version of the same thing in a way.
4: My favourite of Azus was still Metalbeard, though. I love Metalbeard. <laughs> yes, Metalbeard. Iron so Ironbeard is
6: great. great. I love Ironbeard. Oh, Ironbeard, yeah. But. Uh, but... I did always have the idea that I could have used... I would have liked to have used Angelic Aspect, which is when Azu grows massive wings and can <laughs> fly about. Amazing, <laughs> yeah.
9: Um,
6: that would have been fun, but um, gave him to Topaz instead.
4: And I think Topaz probably flew better than Azu was. Azu did a lot of, like... P- pardon the pseudo-pun here. Azu did... A l- not Azu, sorry. Topaz did a lot of heavy lifting
7: as a flyer. Yeah.
4: Mm-hmm. And I don't mean that as the yeah. joke it came out as like legitimately towards the end Azu flying was a big helpful factor Topaz yes. having wings
7: was so important like it was it, we built our plan yeah. around it really
4: yeah that spell was uh,
6: Sky Steed ah uh, yeah that was it I
7: I just remember the other thing we built uh, Skrark to do that
8: he never quite got to do uh, he had a bunch of bonuses to when attacking from above
6: oh yeah and, uh,
8: he could he could even essentially share his fall damage so uh, he literally, you know, he got from a combine, combination of sneak attack and the various bonuses he had. He could literally have rolled twice as many d6 for an attack As Hamid ever did for a fireball, if he if he dropped from high enough, he just becomes a missile. He just becomes a targeted. (laughs) The thing is, is he has to take a bunch of the damage himself. But I was like, you know, if he hadn't, you know, Alex took control of him in that last fight, which travesty, travesty. But you know, in my (laughs) head, he would, what he would have done is, you know, he would have pulled himself out of the rubble, gone up as high as he could, and dropped on Grieve unseen, directly from above. And because it's all physical, Grieve doesn't have the same resistances. Absolutely, and he would have—he could potentially have done, you know, kind of twenty d six of damage with a really high attack roll by just like sacrificing himself to the fall, because he would uh, also splat. But he probably could have survived. He had enough hit points, I think.
4: Yeah, that never one came off. That's a shame. <laughs> right, we'll take a break, and then we'll come back, and we'll we'll go into our last round of questions, potentially ever on the RQG feed. <gasps> Aww. And welcome back. Okay, cool. We have some questions left. I also have fun names. Last chance for any selection criteria before I just go full dictator. Let's have
8: some dice. We haven't had many dice questions mm. in this set. Yeah. rather a, a couple dice. of all right, dice questions.
4: All right, all right. 17. I don't like 17 either. Ugly number. All right. <laughs> this is from uh, Owlinks. If you were transported into the RQG universe, what classes and races would you be? I'll answer it as written, and then I think I'll answer it as intended. What class and race would I be? Most likely, like, peasant under the Pathfinder system. (laughs) Uh, I would be willing to stretch in my arrogance to, as we've said before, a desperately unoptimized and completely unplayable bard. Yeah.
5: Yeah. I feel like I'm getting through life as an unplayable bard. But I, don't, to be I think they
4: might be getting at what classes and, and races and so on would you want to be, which isn't the same. I don't know. Mm.
5: I remain an unplayable bard. <laughs> I think
6: I would. Oh no! Actually, this is a really difficult question. Now I'm
3: thinking about it.
8: I mean, for me, like let's let's assume I was sort of born and brought up in the rqg world, but mm. had a personality reasonably similar. I feel like, you know, my to me, my interest in physics and my, you know, for a long time, I thought I would pursue an academic career in physics. I think I would have probably have studied magic at university. You'd be a wizard.
4: You'd be a straight down the line wizard. I don't know if
8: I'd be a brilliant wizard, but I'd be a, you know, I'd be a reasonably, you know, job. Yeah, I'd be a everyday your everyday jobbing wizard i reckon yeah. i reckon i could have done well enough to be to be a wizard totally not like a powerful a wizard. adventurer wizard but just yeah. you know i think i think that's that's
5: yeah. well the it, thing is you're not enough. a murderer right so well, exactly. what you would be doing is like there were those jobbing wizards that were transporting people to prague yeah. university yeah right you know you work your way up you're you're doing yeah doing the occasional wizardy thing yeah
4: not every spell has to risk Armageddon. Well, exactly. Mm. And I think, you know, it's, it's similar
8: enough to to uh, how my real life turned out that it's not a huge leap, mm. but in the context of the RKG universe.
9: Yeah.
8: For
6: me, it would really depend. I I can see myself being a paladin or a druid or a bard. Mm. I can see myself being a paladin because I like to help people, but also I'm actually quite an angry person. <laughs> <laughs> that does scream paladin. Yeah, Yeah.
8: Righteous anger, absolutely. Yeah. Mm.
6: But then I also, I might be a bard because I really like to perform and I love to sing. Or I mm. might be a druid because I really like being in nature and stuff, and I'd like to have like a be like a water sea druid person. That would be nice. So paladin, probably most likely though.
5: You can be a paladin with hobbies, you know. Yeah, yeah a paladin
6: with hobbies. That's probably what I would end I up. I like being. the idea
5: of multi-classing as like. Oh yeah, no, I just do a bit of like sorcery in my spare <laughs> time. Could just
6: be a druid paladin. Ooh. It works.
5: Ooh.
4: <laughs> but I'd probably want to be a sorcerer. <laughs> that is the cool guy class a little bit, isn't it? Just the idea of having innate magic is very romantic and lovely. Mm. I think I'd have you pegged as definitely a, uh, pardon the phrasing, a skill monkey, Lydia. Oh, uh, yeah.
5: yeah. No, you have that's, so
4: that's... many skill ranks kicking around.
5: Mm. Yeah. No, and, and all in like absolutely nonsense places that don't like I I'm an unplayable bard, right? There's mm. high int, low whiz, <laughs> like more charisma than you'd expect, but squishy as heck. <laughs> like that <laughs> that's what that's what's happening. Um you know, I, I I would try and essentially have that trait that Cell has where you, you move int to Charisma. Oh no, I suppose I don't know if it. Would, but then I swap them around, even though my charisma and inter quite interchangeable. So again, it just mm. doesn't. It just yeah. just completely unoptimized, really, <laughs> and continually getting themselves in complicated situations that, that they struggle to get out of. Um, I'd have more points in handle animal than any of the mm. uh, yeah, any true. of the any of the uh, characters I've played have got. But then I I wouldn't be able to stab things
4: um. <laughs> I'm, I'm curious then ben a- any thoughts as to where you place yourself for some reason my brain immediately goes martial.
7: i don't uh, I know don't why know. i'll probably be a bard or something because of my job um <coughs> the trouble with these classes is that they're then necessarily narrow so that you can have multiple mm. in a party so they're just mm. that you just can't really translate and also you know not getting involved with the ancestry question because i don't think there's a useful way to actually deal with that in this context
4: mm. I, th- I think the spirit of it was: Are there any cool abilities you'd want? I think is what people were getting at, but it doesn't question. I'm answering
7: the question. Answer the yeah, question. yeah.
4: <laughs> I'm curious then, because jokes aside, what would you guys give me as a class? Mm. Once I'm past the quick and glib joke, I actually have no idea. I, I don't know. I, I saw
7: Peggy
5: more as a beholder.
7: See, <laughs> <laughs> so this is the thing. I don't, I don't. I don't actually think I'm a player character. That's the problem. <laughs> I think that's I'm cause a low-end... That's because end... none of us are player characters because no. they're, they're necessarily extraordinary. I think I yeah. really
4: might be a low-end NPC quest giver. <laughs> I think I might be the person who's like, I've lost my chickens. Go find me 12 chickens. That would be harder than you think. And it'd be a real-time sink as well.
7: I think I think if you were playing a, a part in a campaign, you would definitely play the part of Hectored Bureaucrat.
4: Mm. Yeah...
5: That's the yeah. thing is that you've got more in common with Wild than oh you like to admit. Oh God, I'm Nick. a
7: social encounter, aren't I? Well, you yeah. have you have a kind of like f- frantic energy to you, which <laughs> would play well in that role. Like if, if you were being like, if, this is functionally typecasting somebody, right? Yeah, ab-
4: absolutely, yeah. absolutely. So yeah, I'm going to roll a dice. Okay, uh, we're on sixty-four from Ashra. Mm. Oh, good question. Uh, did you have to create Skrark on the fly, or did you always intend for some cobbles to join the main party? Do you want to answer that first, Bryn?
8: I mean I was leveling up and I saw the leadership feat and I was like skrark has been around for a while wouldn't it be awesome if they stayed I proposed that idea to Alex I was like you know because I think leadership is a tricky feat I think it can create problems like it it can dictate the story in a way I don't like and I think that you know if you handle it well it's good it can kind of but you have to you have to build it into the story in a way that you don't have to build it in a lot of mechanical choices yeah like my my initial intention was just i've i think it's been really fun having scratch travel with the party why don't we keep that mm. going and i can kind of make it more mechanical by taking the leadership feat alex how would you feel about that and you were like i think i can make that work
4: mm. i had a few criteria but you met all of them uh quite easily a lot of it was stuff like, I, I can't have all of them with you all the time because yeah, it, it yeah. doesn't work. But you were like, it, it's fine. It'd be nice to have like Scrak and then a supporting cast occasionally. I basically just wanted
8: to keep Scrak, but also mechanize him in the sense yeah. of turning him into a character with a character sheet that therefore had abilities and could contribute. And
3: yeah, that, yeah. that was
8: my point of taking leadership feet. Like, there's, because the leadership. Feet comes with a cohort and followers, and I wasn't so interested in the followers, and I think that's harder to manage. But we ended up doing it reasonably well once we got a handle on the kobolds. I You know, I didn't love how it started off, but we got to a good place. I think, I hope. Mm. Um, but yeah, to me, it was just it was just a fun idea, and we sort of ran with it, and it ended up being nice. I think, and you know, I, I think we talked in one of the previous Q and As about how much Skrark ended up contributing to Hamid's character arc, which I really really liked.
4: Yeah, from my perspective it's quite straightforward Shoeen was always going to be a big elaborate minion master like mm-hmm. with lots of lots of uh, minions kicking around the place at some point I recognised that kobolds were going to resonate strongly for a whole mess of reasons so they were a useful decision in terms of had I planned no I had planned for Skrark to like for Skrark or a Skrark equivalent to like help out the main character through that little arc and then if, if Bryn hadn't had gone for the leadership it had been a goodbye person that i've met like i, I wouldn't have injected them in um mm. again if there's one piece of advice for everyone gming it's tr- try not to inject an npc let the players tell you what npc they want around einstein was never going to be around a long time people liked einstein all right cool you can have more of einstein that works uh <laughs> wild made sense from a resonance point it wasn't my original intent like i've said before uh someone would have been but it just if, if you'd have all just gone, Harrison Campbell's just the best, just the best ever, I'm sure Harrison Campbell would suddenly have turned out to have whole unplumbed depths.
8: Yeah. I, <laughs> I think we both knew as well that, I mean, you know, the way kobolds are written in the source material is not always amazing, but it's they obviously... the place. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they obviously have this connection to dra- dra- dragons and therefore we always knew that hammer displaying draconic traits in front of the kobolds would have a result. I don't think we knew exactly what that result would be until it sort of happened and yeah. that the way that happens, but we knew that there would be an impact of that. And it a lot of stuff spun out from how we kind of both played in that moment, I think.
4: Skrk was very helpful though, in that Skrk had already it wouldn't have worked if there wasn't already a Skrk in there. If just a bunch of followers had turned up who were cobalty. There's oh, not yeah. there's there's not really a way of making that work. We, no, I was absolutely. quite I will be openly state I will be quite lucky. I was quite lucky in that your leadership stuff plugged in okay with what was already there. There's a version where it just—I'd have said no. I, I can't make that work in a way that isn't. And really yeah, and like part of the
8: reason I wanted to choose it was because Skrark had already effectively yeah. been kind of starting to adopt that role a bit with Hamid. Like I think when when I was planning that level up was when they Scrag and Hamid had been separated from the rest of the party, for example, and it just yeah, it sort of to me it. it taking that feat was a natural outgrowth of the story and it did sort of force the story to then move in a certain direction after that but i think we were both okay with that as a narrative choice but i, I think th- the leadership feat needs a lot of more consideration than most other feats because it, it because it can and at least should interact with the story so much
4: it's one of those sneaky feats that at first glance you're like mechanically yeah i can make that work the risks aren't really mechanical Mm. it's 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 in you're into the mushy like stealing focus and spotlighting yeah. and qua- spotlighting sorry and quarterbacking and all that jazz so yeah it i th- I think we've answered that i think we've answered that but it was it was a negotiation it wasn't just a, yeah. a an order at brin's end or mine uh, and
8: one of the things i might mention is that you were thinking Alex about potentially making Skrk a gunslinger mechanically. Mm, Yeah. And I think I I was the one who said, I don't think that's great. I don't want him to be a special snowflake mechanically, because I you know, I'm already feeling guilty that I will effectively be running two characters. I don't want to draw focus from other PCs and NPCs. Let's make him a much more simple rogue. Like, you know, good
4: good memory. Because I'd for the kobolds, like this was in a broader picture, I'd considered that I wanted the kobolds to have a sort of developmental boost by the fact that they just had all of this infrastructure just sat on their doorstep now where Mm. they could choose to just burn the whole lot down or they could you know use it they have all these massive amounts of rare materials and and rare stuff just hoarded like that that can be used so i did toy around with the idea of i didn't want them all to just become alchemists because we already had cell and that was Mm. a thing and was like oh gunslinging kind of hits that alchemical weaponry thing blah blah blah. i think Bryn was right to say no don't that's not gonna serve you well Uh, i think Bryn spotted a a cul-de-sac there and sort of steered me away from that but i um... I mean
8: part of it for me was also exploring showing's dungeon what had the party mechanically been lacking well we weren't very good at dealing with traps yeah, we really actually, the, you know, it's it's one of the key things that a rogue does in a party is finding and disarming traps. And if you're going anywhere that has them, it's a really, really valuable skill to have somewhere in the party. And you know, so I think I, you know, I pushed quite hard for Skarp to be a rogue for for that reason partially as well.
4: Mm. Okay, I'll jump on to another question then. Okay, okay, okay. I'm rolling. I'm at thirty. <laughs> Oh, I, ho- I hope this wouldn't be answered. Ice blue cyanide. What was the construction work the blue-veined people were doing in London? Um, hmm.
9: Good two
4: separate things. The organic construction work in terms of the big plant that you all saw in brain
7: building. Westminster Abbey.
4: Yes, thank you. They were doing pod people. Uh, where effectively, <laughs> I- I- iteration one of blue veins is you infect real people. Iteration two is just full-on pod people. I recommend people looking at like pod people as a pathfinder thing. Mechanically, it's fascinating, really interesting. (laughs) Um, It's like a single creature that can then spawn like 10 different templates and all kinds of things. It didn't really go anywhere. It was just sufficiently weird. Um, And in terms of what they were building, the answer, unfortunately, is quite vague, which is all they were building is like effectively industrializing infection. It is just establishing a means of continuing to spread that isn't just chance-based it is logistics organization the second that you don't need to give people individual agency the second that you don't need to have shops you don't need to have you know housing and so on well why not clear out a massive chunk of the urban center and turn it into one big warehouse that kind of thing like mm. it removes a lot of material logistical limits on humans or well well in the real world on humans because we have you know actual both psychological personal and physical needs when you take all that away
5: alex you do not have psychological or physical needs. You've stressed this to us multiple times. you like, can I tell am that. a floating mind energy orb that, sure. manage, that that exists only within audacity.
4: But for, for all of you limited meat sacks, if that's what you'd rather <laughs> nah. care uh, Yeah, so on it, honestly, it's a bit of a... I know it feels like a bit of a non-answer. It was mostly just I was having a think and going... And they, they weren't, to be clear, they weren't building a doomsday weapon. It wasn't that. It's just mm. this is what is, like, They're effectively they're deconstructing London because it has no purpose for them. Yeah. They're breaking it down into parts that are going to be Optimizing more useful. Optimising
8: urban planning for the, the different, <laughs> you know, the extremely different society that they require.
4: Yeah, think about it more like plopping a bunch of ants in an empty termite hill. They're going to completely remodel that. I think that's more sinister than if they were making a doomsday weapon. To be <laughs> honest, mm. I don't like, like doomsday weapons being built as like a trope. I think it's very, mm. it makes it very easy. It, it it's helps points to bond. <laughs> yeah, and don't get me wrong, I like it in certain contexts. I think in that one, it would have been a bit, eh, yeah. So yeah, they were just they were just breaking London down for parts because why not? Mm. Who cares? Why no one, No not? one's left to care. So, yeah, there's a few of those where the answers I feel like are unsatisfying because I can't go, here's this secret bucket of lore. (laughs) It's just this thing. Uh, 79, 79, Friendly Neighbourhood Garden Snail asks, (laughs) I like the interaction with Spider-Man there. (laughs) I feel like it's just a Spider-Man who's actually just, you know, like doesn't have powers and web swings and just walks along checking people are okay. it's the same kind of street level vibe and like Uh,
5: has like one large foot and slowly munches things
4: (laughs) probably drives around New York in an RV to capture the like shell thing yeah Um, what is your favourite part of role playing and has it changed from when you started
7: this show
4: good question it is actually it's a very personal one that I'm surprised hasn't come up I don't think it has
9: Hmm.
7: I was hanging out with friends is uh, you know, oh. that's that's the universal constant between role playing games such a good answer
4: yeah. yeah
5: it it's a structure to provide space for fun storytelling with mates. I like that.
8: I love all of it. I love spending time with these people. they're great people um i I fricking love mechanically crunchy combats. You know, I have the time of my life in those those you know post-Episode 200 combat scenes where we're layering things and I'm having to remember so many different adjustments to numbers. I mean, I don't know why. I love it. But I also, I love dramatic performance on stage if I'm, provo- you know, when I've done performances in plays, I love provoking a reaction from my audience, whether that's crying, whether that's laughter. And, you know, I, I absolutely adore any time that people have said yeah this episode made me laugh really hard or this episode made me cry i'm like great that i'm really proud that we created a piece of art that did that yeah. like you know and some of the other emotionally moving episodes we had where characters were breaking down or And, and, you know, anything that provokes an emotion, you know, a strong emotional reaction in the audience, I think is wonderful. And I love I love all three of those things. And to me, one of the great things about RPGs is it does feature potentially all three of those things. Mm. Mm. And I can't think of another another activity which does have all three necessarily.
5: Hmm. So to build on to build on both of those, yeah, I, I like hang out with, hanging out with my mates, and I really like harvesting the tears. of... Uh, <laughs> I just have to. I have to thank Alex for giving me the opportunity to harvest tears on such a such a larger stage than I could have imagined. Because doing it manually, person by person, is it takes ages.
4: <laughs> you know, you've got to industrialise that process. Yes, not you not only, you just, not never only really...
5: did you give me the chance to like to make more people squeeze out the precious eye juice Um, but also like people (laughs) people tweet at me letting me know that there is a fresh harvest available and that they're actually crying at that moment and that that's what I live for really that's what gives me strength
6: well precious eye juice is the name of my next character (laughs) (laughs)
4: Um, that's odd it's also my burlesque
6: name (laughs) (laughs) I came in uh, like at the start of playing this uh, with you folks, I think what I really liked um, and do still love um, about RPGs was the really bizarre but incredibly funny stuff that happens mm-hmm. that when you're like with people that you like and trust trying to accomplish something silly um, and fantastical and then it goes wrong. Like I, I like specific in jokes that you create with people. And then as time went on, I really liked the opportunity to do a lot of in-depth character exploration and thinking, which I hadn't done before because I'd only really played one shots before. And uh, that was a a cool thing that I started to enjoy about, um, about playing the game. But I will always lean towards the fun side than Hmm. the intellectual drama side. (laughs) I will much rather be ridiculous
8: I think another thing I love about RPGs is, is it's collaborative storytelling. And when, yeah. and one of the, I think you know when you've done a good RPG in a sense because you've told a story that none of you would have told individually. Mm. Like my story and are so different
9: mm. from
8: the rest of you. And I think that. Ideally, and most of the time this is true, the story that comes out is much better for the influence of many voices, mm-hmm. and there 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 can there are so many things, and you know the fact that the dice can influence it too means that you end up with a story that can surprise you. Yeah. you know, and I, I mean I've never tried to write a, bu- a book, uh, but I, I don't you know I don't know how it, how much it compares, but I feel like you know the the story you get from an RPG is so different in a in a way I really really enjoy.
6: Yeah. You have all continually impressed me with all of your different attitudes to storytelling because they are all different, but they are also all extremely good at doing what you want them to do. And I like I think that we have managed to mesh them together in a really nice way. I've liked that. Mm. I think
4: at my end, I i share from a slightly different angle Bryn's uh, enjoy of Tactical Crunch, though mine is less on number chasing and more like you take the high ground and if we flank this way and then do an enfilade we could like that scratches an itch for me it's like a type of puzzle in terms of like what's my favorite part and how's it changed yes i started rpg the way a lot of people do which is escapism because i had a lot i needed to escape yeah yeah mm. as my life has continued and improved because you know i've been very lucky in that regard that need to escape has reduced but I did stumble on something which I think other people are starting to recognize, which I'm going to, it's going to sound very pompous. And I do, I, I do mean it literally though, which is it's the, what probably so far the closest thing I've encountered in terms of like pure creation. And what I mean for that is there's very few barriers when it's going well between your brain and the thing mm. existing. And by that, yeah. it's like writing a book, cool thought, writing's. hard so hard (laughs) like even if you're amazing at it writing is hard you don't just sit there and go oh oh, look 40 chapters writing's hard okay theatre's also really hard there's Mm. so much logistics that isn't the actual creative act it's oh we don't have security for today well we can't because we'll violate the fire safety okay Mm. well okay we'll have to do this your brain isn't in it you're on the logistics and sure there are technical considerations and so on but RPGs are the closest I find for that on the GMing side, which is, I have an idea, this. And then people can immediately engage with it. It's like being Mm. able to summon a digital game out of the air on the fly. It's like dreaming.
5: I love that you've come up with the way of explaining it that you worry is pompous. The way that I have explained it in the past is like, the effort-to-reward ratio is just fantastic. It's
4: amazing! <laughs> like, it's, it's absolutely, absolutely <laughs> phenomenal on RPGs. And,
5: and I mean, even, even in the limited amount of GMing I've done, sometimes you'll be like, oh, it will be tiring to do that. But
4: like compared to like writing... It doesn't even mm. compare. It is so good. It just gives and gives and gives. But yeah. all right, all right, we're, we're ploughing on. Couple more, couple more. Anyone want to bounce away from dice rolls or do we just dice roll it out? Number four. Number four. Understood. It's a nice number. lot going on with number four. It's a good number. I like four. <laughs> this is from Duck. Alex, how did it feel to have your final words as an NPC in this campaign be snores? Like, <laughs> great, ideal, perfect, could not be happier. Uh, the, the, the perfect ending is somehow simultaneously incredibly important and incredibly unimportant. Mm. snoring is oh perfect quick answer that one but yeah (laughs) any other any other takers any other takes on a number
7: 93
4: 93 93 is okay don't mind 93 (laughs) i have an opinion on all numbers okay (laughs) apparently uh this is from moth if your character in the final epilogue could give us one piece of advice from what they've learned, what would it be? Ah, right. So if your character could give you a piece of advice, what do you think it would be? A hard one to answer. Uh, uh,
8: so I think I tried to craft Hamid's epilogue story with a very specific point, which is it's never too late to find the right path for you. Aww. Like, you know, Hamid tried several different things in his life and, you know, by the end of the epilogues, he's found what is right for him um and you know it takes him a long time it takes him several goes and I feel sometimes the same about my own life you know I tried multiple times you know as I said academia and I tried to be a teacher neither of them really worked for me uh and you know I feel very happy with where I am now as as a software engineer and you know it took me time and it took me trying different things um and there is a very strong caveat to that which is you need a healthy amount of privilege to be afforded the space to try different things. Unfortunately, mm. but also don't feel you're necessary trapped with any choices you've made. You know, if uh, and so yeah, to me that that's the message of Hamid's epilogues, and that's the advice is you know tr- try try again, find what works. Mm.
4: I think wilds would be chill out. It's not the end of the world, unless yeah. it <laughs> is, in which case tough. <laughs> <laughs> Hmm.
6: would probably be something similar. I think it would either... It would be, it's okay to slow down, maybe? Or just the very obvious and simple look after yourself,
5: I think? I know, I, uh, I play characters... Uh, well, the two characters I played in this, partly because, you know, for me, I, I was terrified at first with the idea of playing something so long-running, so they needed to be someone who had enough, not, wasn't the same as me, but had a, enough psychological touch points that I could be like, I can I can do this for a long time. Hmm. I, I think either of them giving advice to me feels a bit odd because I think I've said before, like, Sasha feels like a version of younger me that didn't hmm. get the opportunity. I've, I've quipped that Sasha was a version of me that never did improv, <laughs> has still all the like layers of awkward and and confused um and cell is like a version of me that like is is older and wiser but also has made larger choices and larger mistakes and so yeah, it doesn't it doesn't quite well I'm sure that I'm sure that cell in particular would like be a lot better at sitting and listening to me than I am to other people. And that is something that, you know, I, I hope... I think they'd be very interested in my, like, Lego... They'd be able to fix the connection problems that I've got in the <laughs> Lego touch-connected <laughs> auto chicken feeder. But even though they'd never written a line of code and they'd never seen Lego before in their life, they would absolutely be able to, like, fix it like like that. I bet. <laughs> yeah. I think career and life advice, they'd they'd have less but just because their their attitude is generally I think having having done and seen so much their attitude is less this is the prescribed way and more listening and reflecting
8: one thing I've taken I I would take away as a lesson from how you portrayed cell is I thought cell was very good at appreciating what they had while they had it
5: yeah, yeah, and not finding
8: it difficult to move on and transition when they had to, but also mm. was always kind of able to see that you know the kind of what was good about where they were, and like you know yeah. the the thing in the last episode where you, you'd lost where Cell had lost Barnes, but also you know when they looked back in earlier episodes on their past relationships, I felt something I took from Cell was that that sort of mm. that you know the ability to appreciate something that. Is potentially temporary,
7: but enjoy it while it's there.
5: Yeah,
7: yeah. Uh, I'm sort of uh, where Lid is really. Um, I'm the character. The character is me. He's often an expression of probably the crueler parts of my psyche, uh, and also in general, why would I take advice from Zolf? He's a mess. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
5: <laughs> Cook. Yeah, yeah. He'd probably he'd probably be like oh. burning those onions. <laughs> like
4: the key to a good gumbo is like mm. he he he's definitely knows his way around some stuff.
5: Yeah.
4: Okay, with our with our last little bit of time then before other content, are there any questions that any of you have wanted to ask anyone else in this call that we never got round to? Oh, to do with RQG. To be clear, obviously not not just like <laughs> how do you do your hair. I mean, we have the time for that. I'm just. Can
7: I know.
6: have your
4: recipe for? <laughs>
7: <laughs> Nothing off the top of my head.
5: No, we've we've done Q and As and reflections and bounced ideas now for like seven years (laughs) and i feel like i've been very lucky to have the opportunity to learn by watching others do and learn about the craft as much as like you know the way that you play as much as the way that you talk about playing and you know i'm just very very grateful for that but i don't have any glib questions to ask now uh i would just like to keep playing together and, and learning and seeing you do it in different ways because it's cool
8: i feel like we don't you know we don't restrict ourselves from talking about rqg when we encounter each other in non-recorded contexts so if i have had yeah. stuff to ask i have yeah. occasionally just asked you know ask one on an like,
4: audio with the with the chance of it being repealed <laughs> helen <laughs> yeah not because it ever came up i'm just curious did we pan out as people to what you expected in terms of first impressions? Or was this just like, I thought you were nice, you're all assholes. Like, <laughs> I have no context for what the first impressions were. So as a result, I'm curious whether you've ended up where you thought you'd end up or whether it's like wildly L- Lydia not and I already
7: expected. knew Helen. So, Helen
5: yeah. Helen thought that Beowulf was <laughs> our, unusual, our usual level of entertaining and cool and funny and lovely. And is exactly my there. point. Beowulf is
4: so different to only you must have had a very like warped sense of like the scale of happy to trauma in the party (laughs) that is i i definitely did
6: not foresee the campaign going where it did (laughs) i will say that um in terms of you as people i mean i already knew ben and lid so i had a good understanding of them we'd already done Um,
7: homework projects together
6: yeah yeah. (laughs) me and ben had given a talk together and me and lid had been drunk together yeah. So, um, yeah. Oh, God,
4: my question's deteriorated to do you like me, Helen? Never mind.
6: <laughs> <laughs> Not quite what
4: I was going for.
6: I know. Um, <laughs> but I will still answer it.
4: <laughs>
6: yeah. Obviously, the answer is yes. But, like, um, <coughs> Alex, I couldn't figure you out for a real long time. I get that a lot. But that was but that was because I was like, I feel like we have a friend relationship, but also this guy is kind of my boss. So how do I how do I relate to how where do I put him in my in my my cobweb of people that I that I know? I figured it out. I think I told you that once before anyway. (laughs) Bryn, I had no idea what to make of you. When you're just listening, you can look like very deadpan. And um, and so I found it tough to read you as well for a while. But then you started laughing and I was like, oh, OK. Yeah.
8: <laughs> it's not easy for me to laugh, Helen. I think you should realise how precious a gift that is. Because,
7: you know, it takes a lot. And it's something I try and keep very private. Yeah, as, as an audience member, if you crack Brin, you know you've nailed it. <laughs> <laughs>
9: um.
6: I did not expect to get as close to all of you as I did. Um, no. and that has been, I am extremely grateful for that. I'm so sentimental today. <laughs> 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 Much. I, don't know
9: what to, I don't know
6: what else to say i, <laughs> no, I, I very much answer.
5: resent that this bit of my routine is gonna change like i mm. do not like when my routine changes anyway and this is a bit of my routine that i really like and so i'm gonna be grumpy about
4: it for a while
7: <laughs> yeah. it's gonna be weird having my saturdays back
4: yeah What if, what yeah. do people do with all this time <laughs> I'm going to use this opportunity to ask one question to the fans. I won't hear the answer, but I've always wanted to ask this question, so I'm going to use this final opportunity to do it. <laughs> I don't get it. What do you see in Bertie? I don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> he's I, funny. I, I, I legitimately don't get it. They
5: see James's portrayal. It's not Bertie, it's James.
8: <laughs> he's, he's entertaining. Like, yeah. You don't have to think that the person would be, you know, you don't have to wish the person would exist in real life. They can be a terrible person if they're
4: entertaining I, I think the s- them. I mean, Fiction more the is- second that someone's like, you know, well, I kind of see Bertie's side. No, no. you. Mm, I haven't God. seen anyone say that. <laughs> I'm going to end on a silly one. This one's from Jay. Sorry, no, let me get the pronunciation for you. This, is, this one's from Jay. Ah. Is there an exclamation mark? There in is, there is, yeah. yeah. Cool, cool. Uh, I, I will do the best I can with, with the grammar. Where is the resolution for figures?
6: Where is it, Alex? Mm.
4: And in a and, and spirit, I think Ben can really get behind um, as we close this out.
5: I don't know. <laughs> I don't know.
4: Who could possibly know? Write it yourself. Please, please go write that. If there was yeah. one thorn in my side that made no narrative sense through the whole campaign, Figgis. <laughs> like, just.
7: And you see some fan fiction where Figgis, Sigif, and Giffis all meet up and plot down <laughs> downfall. If you
4: make that trio make sense, I will have infinite respect for you for the rest of time because I didn't manage. <laughs> Anyway, anyway, I think on that, we can close that out. I've had, I I was going to say a lovely time. I've had an intense time with Q&As because it does feel a little bit like you're in the dock. I won't lie, but I feel like I
5: haven't done myself. Justify your creation.
4: Yeah, I don't feel like we've done too terribly collectively. Um, (laughs) So with that in mind, as our sort of uh, final Q&A for RQG... Thank you very much, everyone. Uh, yeah. I hope you're all happy, healthy and well. And I hope you've enjoyed listening. Obviously, we've got a little bit more coming after this, but bye from me. And if anyone else wants to say anything, please help yourself. Mm-hmm. Cheers, mates. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank bye. you to everyone
8: who listened. Yes, yeah. Cheers.
4: Thank you. Bye. Rusty Quill cool Gaming is a podcast distributed by Rusty Quill and licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution non-commercial share-alike 4.0 international license. Today's episode was directed by Alexander J. Newell and produced by Hannah Preisinger. To subscribe, buy merchandise, or join our Patreon, visit RustyQuill.com. Rate and review us online, tweet us at the Rusty Quill. visit us on Facebook, or email us via mail at RustyQuill.com. Join our community on the Discord, or via Reddit at r slash RustyQuill. Thanks for listening.
3: Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit mfm.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6,000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.
6: Hi, everyone. It's Helen here, the voice of Azu, Enola, and Laverne. Today, I'm here to tell you about Woe Begone, a podcast launched on the RQ Network. Woe Begone is a weekly horror sci-fi audio drama series about the nature of power and the implications of linear time. Woe Begone follows Mike Walters, who discovers a mysterious and violent online game. What begins as an exploration of an alternate reality game with real-life consequences quickly becomes a search for the technology that makes the game possible. Each episode has a unique soundtrack composed by creator and writer Dylan Griggs. Listen to Woe Begone... Spelled Woe Period Begone wherever you listen to podcasts, or check out woebegonepod.com for episodes and transcripts. Have fun and see you later.